The views expressed in this podcast are those of the respective participants and do not represent the official position of the U.S. Army, North Carolina National Guard, or the federal state government. While I was deployed, I assisted several soldiers with their immigration process, and they actually became U.S. citizens during a deployment and were naturalized at a U.S. embassy by the ambassador. And that's a pretty awesome experience as an attorney to see to see these soldiers who have signed up to serve this country and then become citizens of this country because of that service. I know we've all got stories like that. Hello and welcome to All Things Judicial, a podcast of the North Carolina Judicial Branch. This is the first episode of a two-part series in recognition and appreciation of Veterans Day and the United States Armed Forces. North Carolina Army National Guard Captain and Attorney Tom Murray is joined by two attorneys with the North Carolina Army National Guard, Captain Caney Reynolds and Lieutenant J.T. Kinane. This is an enlightening discussion about legal services available to military personnel that judges, prosecutors, and court staff may find useful as they encounter service members in the North Carolina court system. Stay with us as we keep all things judicial. My name is Tom Murray, and I am a captain in the North Carolina Army National Guard. Uh, and with me today, I have Captain Katie Reynolds and Lieutenant J.T. Kinane. We are going to discuss what the North Carolina National Guard Legal Assistance Program is all about and assist judges, prosecutors, and court staff on what they need to know about the Service Members Civil Relief Act and the North Carolina Service Members Civil Relief Act. So I'll turn to Captain Reynolds. Please, would you introduce yourself to the audience? Hello, I'm Captain Katie Reynolds. I'm a captain in the North Carolina Army National Guard, graduate of UNC Law. Um, I joined the National Guard in 2016 um, and have uh, enjoyed every minute of it since joining. Most recently, I was serving in the role of Chief of Legal Assistance. And so North Carolina National Guard is one of only two states, the other state being Arkansas, that has a full-time legal assistance program. And we'll get into a little bit about what that program does. But I just want to point out North Carolina is pretty unique in, in the services that we offer compared to the other states and their abilities. Lieutenant Kinane, could you please introduce yourself to the audience? Hello, my name is JT Kinane. I am the current chief of legal assistance for the North Carolina National Guard. I joined the National Guard in 2020. Uh, after a break in service, I had previously served in the uh, Marine Corps, both in active duty and reserve. I attended uh, law school in the evening program at uh, North Carolina Central University, and uh, I saw that as an opportunity to, to finish out my time uh, serving the country and the state, and uh, like Captain Reynolds, I've enjoyed every minute of it. Excellent. Well, I served as Chief of Legal Assistance while Captain Reynolds was deployed to the Middle East, and I did that for a, from 27, 2018 to 2019, um, about a year and a half. Uh, I was in that same role. So you've got three folks who have spent several years working on legal assistance issues. So I think the first thing we want to uh, talk about are who are the clients that are eligible for legal assistance through the North Carolina National uh, Na North Carolina National Guard. 
Captain Reynolds? So the shorthand that we use for eligibility for our program is uh, whether or not somebody has the DODID card, the CAC, which is the common access card for a service member, a dependent of a service member, or a retiree. That's our shorthand. So that's not completely accurate in what um, Army Regulation 27.3 says we can cover, but I think a lot of uh, veterans hope to be eligible for our legal assistance program, and unfortunately, they're not, and I'll let Lieutenant Kinane speak to that. Yeah, so you think of military veterans, they tend to fall into three general categories. You have your service members, and you have your people that have served honorably but did not retire from the military. And then you have your military retirees. And uh, so as Captain Reynolds was explaining, our eligibility is governed by regulation, by Army Regulation 27-3. And as the shorthand, she explained, if you have the, the ID card, then you're, you're likely to be eligible. Uh, but we offer those services to the service members, their dependents, to retirees and their dependents. But unfortunately, because this is a overall a readiness program for readiness of service members, uh, we're not able to provide veterans, those that have served but not currently serving or, or re- retired from military service, we're not able to offer to them. We do offer to not just service members of the North Carolina National Guard. We offer to the Army and to the other services as well. Uh, in fact, we do catch some spillover from the more populous bases that we have in North Carolina, like Fort Bragg uh, down in Fayetteville or Seymour Johnson over in Goldsboro or Camp Lejeune or in Jacksonville. So the shorthand is if the Department of Defense issued you an identification card, chances are you would be eligible for legal assistance to the North Carolina National Guard. Is that a fair assessment? I Yes. Uh, so long as that identification card is still valid, and I would distinguish that from a Veterans Administration identification That's card. That's exactly what I was trying to get at, JT, is there the Veterans Administration also issues cards to veterans that might not mean you are eligible for legal assistance. That's services. correct. Generally speaking, and I don't feel qualified to speak on the VA or their policies, but veterans with service-connected uh, disabilities generally receive an ID card, and, and they are sometimes eligible to access military installations, you know, to go to the beach or to use the, uh, the stores on base. Um, but they would be precluded from seeking legal assistance under this program. So with a focus on readiness, which is the, is the uh, tagline for the North Carolina National Guard, always ready. So what does the North Carolina National Guard Legal Assistance Program do to help soldiers and their families stay ready so they can help their fellow citizens in our country and our state? So under Army Reg- Regulation 27.3, that's really our bread and butter is we do we do quite a bit of family law. And so we can prepare separation and property settlement agreements uh, for our soldiers. We can do estate planning, landlord-tenant law, consumer transactions like identity theft and cancellation of indebtedness. We do a good bit of immigration and naturalization. Military administrative matters like uh, GOMAR, which is a general officer memorandum of reprimand. Uh, will help soldiers with rebuttals. That's a nasty letter from a general because of some sort of misconduct potentially for the audience. So that's what a GOMAR stands for, uh, alleged misconduct, as my friend who's a defense attorney on the side says. 
Uh, Flipple rebuttals, that's the financial liability investigation of property loss. So if you lose damage or destroy government property, we absolutely do try to charge you for that. Um, And the legal assistance program is here to help you rebut that. We are going to get that property back. One way or another. Or the the money. Or the money. (laughs) And we can also help with um, referred OERs, NCOERs. That's an officer evaluation report and non-commissioned officer evaluation report. So if you got... If, if you were in your rating chain, somebody says something you don't agree with, you can rebut that, and the legal assistance program will assist with that. I think an easy way to think about that is to compare it to, you know, in the corporate world, people uh, get performance evaluations, right? And so if your manager rates you in a way that you think that might be unfair, un, un, unfairly reflective of your actual performance, uh, there's an opportunity to not only rebut that on your own, but you can you can seek legal assistance from our office for the Army's version of it to make that rebuttal. And then last but not least, we do a tax center each year where we prepare federal and state income tax returns for all of our eligible clients and file them totally free. And we all have been dunked on with taxes because it is the it is the churn of legal assistance at the Norcon National Guard during tax season and it's amazing how busy you get uh, during that so it's a huge service um, I know we've all got stories on how we've done estate plans and worked on worked on wills and things like that but I think one of the when Captain Reynolds mentioned immigration while I was deployed I assisted several soldiers with their immigration process and they actually became U.S. citizens during a deployment and were naturalized at a U.S. embassy by the ambassador. And that's a pretty awesome experience as an attorney to see, to see these soldiers who have signed up to serve this country and then become citizens of this country because of that service. And I know we've all got stories like that. So um, do you have any clients that you would like to describe as, as part of the services that you've provided, J.T.? What I have found is not on the immigration one yet because I personally have not yet had that experience. Uh, you know, some of the other attorneys in the office have. Uh, but uh, coming back to the readiness discussion, what we experience sometimes, and I know that we plan to talk about the Service Members Civil Relief Act uh, here in the episode, uh, you do have soldiers that are ready to deploy. And as they're trying to get their affairs in order before they go, uh, they try to inform their landlord that, uh, hey, uh, I've got to go, I'm going to need to break my lease. And the reply from the landlord basically says, well, hey, look, that's not my problem. Here's what you owe me. Um, And uh, I find it particularly rewarding when you can take that worry away from that soldier. What's, you know, what's going to happen to my credit because I'm leaving? Am I going to have a potential eviction against me out, out on my record. And uh, the answer to that is is no, that they can deploy with that peace of mind. Uh, we are sensitive that landlords are businesses and they have investments also, but the greater impact is to the deploying service member and uh, their compliance with the law is, is in, a, in a way of supporting the mission as well. Before we transition and talk about the Service Members Civil Relief Act, Katie, do you have any clients or experiences? I think we're going to get into a little bit uh, with the North Carolina version of the Service Members Civil Relief Act, but anything you want to add before we make that transition? 
Yeah, I'll, I'll add. So it might seem a little odd to say that family law is a readiness issue, but I will say when I was deployed with the 30th Armored Brigade Combat Team, Old Hickory, from 2019 to 2020, I did have a, a commander approach me and say, um, can you please help my soldier? He's really distraught. His spouse just sent him um, a separation of property settlement agreement, and he doesn't know what to do with it. And, you know, he's really worried. And so the commander's trying to focus on his mission overseas, and he's trying to keep his soldiers focused on their mission overseas. And I, I met with the soldier, and it was, uh, you know, a really crazy kind of, I think they thought he you know, obviously overseas wasn't going to have representation and I don't know what they thought they were going to do with it, with him gone, but I was able to sit him down and talk to him and come up with a more reasonable uh, counter offer to their offer. Um, and uh, just the peace of mind that we were able to give him just by knowing that he had an actual licensed attorney to speak with about family law matters was such a huge weight off of his shoulders. And so when we're talking about what our scope is and, and all the things that we do and include it in readiness, it's so that our soldiers can be overseas and focus on their mission or they can be, we can be taking care of it now so that if we do get called to state active duty uh, at a moment's notice, they're not trying to scramble and get these things taken care of. As Captain Reynolds mentioned earlier, Arkansas and North Carolina have legal assistance programs and the reason why only states do is because that is at the commander's discretion of whether or not to offer such a program. And uh, in North Carolina, our commander is the adjutant general, and uh, we exist to serve our soldiers uh, because of our adjutant general's discretion, and, and we appreciate that on behalf of service members who benefit from it. Our yes. adjutant, sorry, yeah, our adjutant general has been so supportive of the program over the years, the different adjutants general, and it's just amazing with their support, what we can do for our soldiers and airmen. I think that's great. I think that's great. I think that's part of the wisdom of the JAG program, the Judge Advocate General program, to have lawyers with commanders to help address those issues that impact soldier readiness and ability to carry out the mission. So one of those uh, that the federal government, Congress, has passed many years ago from 1940 was the Soldiers and Sailors Civil Relief Act also known as the SCRA. Captain Reynolds, would you mind going over the main protections contained in the Service Members Civil Relief Act, SCRA? I would love to, and I'm going to caveat this with, this is the the shorthand that we tell soldiers, and of course every situation is different, and whether uh, an individual's situation is covered by the SCRA is determined on a case-by-case basis. But in general, when we're briefing soldiers. This um, is not specific <laughs> legal advice that it pertaining to your specific situation. Please call a legal assistance attorney. That's a, that's a great disclaimer, Katie. Thank you for doing that. Uh, so soldiers, uh, well, service members have a right to terminate a lease on a residence and a motor vehicle without any early termination penalties under the federal law. Uh, they can waive that if it is in a, a separate document in you know, bold letters and they're clearly waiving their rights to, under the SCRA with regard to that. They have protection from foreclosure of storage units without a court order, provisions on um, a service member's residence for tax purposes, which uh, can also extend to a spouse. Uh, But more importantly, I think for this audience would be a stay of civil proceedings and protections against default judgments. Um, So the SCRA applies to any judicial or administrative proceeding commenced in any court or agency in any jurisdiction that is subject to the act. It provides for a stay of civil proceedings no less than 90 days upon application and appointment of an attorney to represent a defendant in the military service. 
I think that's a great point that the North Carolina National Guard Legal Assistance Program can be a conduit to any service member in any branch that's deployed because there is a lawyer associated with most of those deployed units, at least at higher, where we can make that connection and try to find out where that soldier is. And so I think I think that's an excellent point. Um, there are legal assistance attorneys that are forward in on, on these bases, especially the major bases around the globe. And, and we can find those folks. We can find those folks. And, you know, maybe for us, and we might have skipped over this in a way, right? It, it might go without saying for those of us on the in, on this side of the wall, right? But it's worth mentioning that all of these services are provided free of charge to the eligible client. No kidding. <laughs> and it's a, it's a great benefit. Uh, we, I know we try to do calculations every year to estimate the value of services that we provide, and it's a significant number every year for the NORCON National Guard Legal Assistance Program, which is one of the reasons why it's an award-winning program. There is a North Carolina version. I think the, one of the main differences of the North Carolina Service Members Civil Relief Act is that there's a focus on state active duty. So first, I'll open it up to either JT or Captain Reynolds. Um, how would you describe state active duty? State active duty would be any time that the members of the North Carolina National Guard are called into service by the governor of the state of North Carolina. So there have been riots in North Carolina. There have been hurricanes that hit North Carolina. And there's not a need for the federal government to say, we're not going to give you funding or we are going to give you funding that, uh, that the governor can do that on his own authority. It's that state first homeland type mission. And I know um, I've had experience working during civil unrest and some experience with hurricane operations. Um, I I also had a chance to go to the presidential inauguration. Now, that wasn't state active duty. That was kind of that a hybrid federal mission, but every state responded. And so there is a, a wide array of missions that are domestic in nature that North Carolina National Guard soldiers get called to, ranging from hurricanes, weather-related, ice, storms, civil unrest, and as well as the COVID-19 response. We had a lot of food delivery operations. Uh, not all of that is state active duty, but those are the types of missions that you can see guardsmen performing. And I know that's probably impacted every community across our state. How often would you say are service members of the NorCal National Guard mobilized on state active duty? Two weeks ago for Hurricane Ian. I'll say it's, it's more frequent than you would than you would see on TV, right? Because whenever we're preparing for a large hurricane or preparing for something like that, we're calling up soldiers all over the state who are going to the armories on standby, getting ready, and then they might be released the next day or three or five days later. Or if it is um, a serious incident, then they're on state active duty for quite a while. Yep. I know know I've gotten that call where it's like, where are you? How fast can you get here? Can you get here in one day? Can you get here in two days? Can you get here in three days? And that's it's really a call to ask where you are, what you've got going on. There's a mission that we've got, and are you available? 
and sometimes it's more urgent and you get the call and like I need you to go now or there's a little more time to plan uh, and so I think we've all experienced that call and I know if if there are people who have served in the North Carolina National Guard you've gotten that call from a readiness and readiness non-commissioned officer so I think that's one of the points of state active duty. It can be involuntary as well. You could be told to show up at an armory and report in 24 to 48 hours. Captain Reynolds, I think part of the reason why we started working on the changes to the North Carolina Service Member Civil Relief Act was due to one of the state active duty events that took soldiers out of the state of North Carolina and into uh, Puerto Rico. So, Captain Reynolds, could you could you tell the story on uh, on on what what provided the motivation for you to start looking at potentially changing the law and including state active duty as part of the protections under North Carolina law? Um, part of the legal assistance program is preventive law, and so one thing that we do in the program is we are tracking trends and issues that our soldiers and airmen are seeing as they are mobilizing. And so when a big hurricane hit Puerto Rico a number of years ago, uh, the North Carolina National Guard called up uh, a good, good large number of soldiers uh, on very short notice. And these soldiers had to leave their whole lives. So you're talking about their, their wives, their husbands, their children, their parents, their job, their homes. They're trying to make emergency arrangements for pets. Um, for vehicles, who's going to pay their bills? I think that was more than bills. a battalion, right? It was it was bigger than a battalion that went there. Is that correct? I think so. Yeah, um, and so, and I think it was maybe just one or two days' notice. It was very short. Uh, don't quote me on that, but I remember being very short, and and we were getting a large influx of calls from soldiers saying, "I don't know what to do." So um, there's a lot of you know, for example, assistance programs who will help with pets when you're going on active duty and that sort of thing. Uh, nothing really for state active duty and um, who's going to watch pets and arranging for that or who's going to watch children for single parents. We do have family care plans, uh, but getting your children to that location, maybe in another state on that short notice is a struggle for our soldiers. So um, we went though, our soldiers went and they went over to Puerto Rico with no electricity, no running water. They were staying in a building whose roof had half blown off. Um, and so no showers, nothing like that. I, I think that there was a couple satellite phones that the command team had, and that's how they were reaching home. You know, and then as services were restored, they had that, they had that access back. Um, but it was, it was quite a while that they were without just basic services like that. And so when we did start getting phone calls, it was, all over the place, and so one of the one of the big things was um, under the federal SCRA, I believe, uh, if you're mobilized on active duty and you are enrolled in a university or college, you have certain protections about paying, you know, how to get out of class and paying your student loans and whether or not you'll be charged. But if you go on state active duty, and I think our soldiers were gone for sixty days or more, right? That's a lot of schooling to miss. There's zero, there were zero protections at the time, and so that was something um, my boss, at the chief of legal assistance at the time, Major Rob Hogarth, now retired, um, worked on to say that, um, and there is legislation, it's not in the NCSCRA, um, but there is legislation that North Carolina state colleges and universities, there's provisions to protect our service members who are enrolled in school. 
Um, so that was one thing that came out of it. Another thing that came out was just the need for the state SCRA to protect our soldiers, which is so much, so many issues, um, not, not being able to pay bills because they didn't have anybody at home to pay their rent or they're getting evicted, that sort of thing. So um, that was when we came back together and, and started thinking about how we could help our North Carolina National Guard service members. And so a lot of the protections that were described earlier under the federal service members Civil Relief Act did not extend to these soldiers serving on state active duty. And so, um, Lieutenant Kinane, um, what is unique to North Carolina uh, in the service member Civil Relief Act that was passed in 2019? Well, there are a few things. So the North Carolina Civil Service Relief Act incorporates the federal SCRA into state law. So uh, that's one thing that you get. You don't, you don't lose anything. So an ex- express incorporation. Yes, sir. And then, as, as stated before, it extends to members of the National Guard, but also to members of other states' National Guard that might be supporting North Carolina. So Captain Reynolds mentioned a, an acronym earlier, EMAC. That's that Emergency Management Assistance Compact that each state has so that if there's a problem in South Carolina, they can call North Carolina and at request specific assets that our National Guard might have that they don't have, and vice versa. We can call yeah. South Carolina. And that's happened. That happens a lot. And we've, we've had soldiers in, in many states um, serving other states' governors at the governor's request. And I think that's a testament to the f- federal-state partnership that is the National Guard across our country. So... Um, what other protections for soldiers serving on state active duty are included in the North Carolina Service Members Civil Relief Act? So one of the things about the North Carolina SCRA uh, that makes it a robust piece of legislation is that it has a no waiver provision for its protections. So under the federal SCRA, a service member might waive their rights to the protections from uh, being being able to break a lease, whereas uh, under the North Carolina statute, you you cannot waive that right. So uh, that is always available to that tenant. Uh, separate from early termination, if their lease were to expire while they are deployed, the lease is to continue under the same terms as if it had been renewed until the service members return. And that's in response to a specific issue that we saw in that Hurricane Maria mission where during that 60-day service, service members, uh, members of North Carolina National Guard had their leases expire and they, their stuff was put in storage and they came back to having no apartment and not knowing where their stuff was. Does that, does that sound right, Captain Reynolds? Does that sound familiar? It does, yeah. I, I did have one client who was, his lease was going to expire in about 30 days, and so he had just started packing and didn't have a way to hurry up and get it in storage. And so it was a lot of legal assistance time trying to talk to that apartment complex, and they say, well, if they hold over, then the rent's going to double and that sort of thing. So, yeah, not only putting it in storage and paying those fees, but... Um, trying to work out other things as well, yeah. And that no waiver provision uh, supersedes any other agreement that might be in there that might otherwise limit 
those protections. I think the last one that I mentioned would mention though is that the North Carolina CRA has teeth, right? That uh, a knowing violation of it is uh, unfair, deceptive trade practice under Chapter seventy five. So Captain Reynolds, um, service in the Guard and the Reserves is difficult. It can put stresses on families and it can put stresses on soldiers. And there's a huge burden on the service member and on the employer, as well as uh, service members who are in school, as well and service members who rent houses on their landlords. And so could you talk about um, some other things that we need to know about that might be helpful for the judicial community on what it's like or things that they need to know about service in the NorCon National Guard. I think one of the one of the big issues we hear a lot is pay. And so it's not federal pay and it doesn't start right away like you would think it's pay from the state like you're starting a new job and so you have the soldiers have to wait or airmen for the next pay cycle and that could be 2 weeks away. So they leave their employment, they're not getting paid there and there could be a big chunk of time before they see their state active duty paycheck. And it's nothing anybody's done wrong. That's just the way pay cycles work. And so if you think somebody is just in North Carolina, you know, at an armory chilling on state active duty and there's no reason they can't pay their bills, there might be. There might be a really good reason why they haven't gotten a paycheck in a month. I think it's a great point. And so when you're on state active duty, you're a state employee. And I think one of the other interesting things is that you're eligible for workers' compensation for any injuries that occur while on state active duty, whereas if you were on federal service, it would be a line of duty, and that could trigger some disability uh, payment that you could get as a disabled veteran, but that doesn't apply in a state active duty situation. You're a state employee, and you're under the workers' compensation laws of North Carolina. So I think the last thing that I would like to cover um, is an, uh, the aspect of the, f- of the kind of one of these federal aspects, even in the North Carolina National Guard, where all judge advocates are able to notarize documents and prepare testamentary documents without having to follow specific forms under state law. So I know I've prepared wills for people way out of state, everywhere except Louisiana, because uh, that's that's a civil law, so they don't let us they don't let us practice in. I believe and, Puerto Rico is out too, and that's yeah. that's right, that's yeah. right. So, but I've I have drafted I have drafted wills. As a matter of fact, I've drafted a will this year for a couple who lived in South Carolina at, during a drill weekend, and so we can. I'm not licensed in the state of South Carolina, but we can draft we can draft estate documents for out-of-state residents. So one of the other aspects is that notary aspect. So Captain Reynolds, could you describe what a Title X notary is and how it might look odd or look a little different for maybe our clerks of Superior Court or on other documents? And so could you describe what that means, a Title X notary stamp? So that is shorthand for uh, 10 U.S. Code 1044 Alpha, not subparagraph Alpha, but 1044 Alpha, uh, and that allows judge advocates, civilian attorneys serving as legal assistance attorneys, and civilian paralegals serving in a military legal assistance office who are supervised to act as a notary. And the signature of any such person acting as a notary with the title of that office is evidence that the signature is genuine and the person holds the designated title. So uh, that's Big, the big part of that is no stamp is required. It says so right in the federal statute, no stamp required. 
We actually have stamps made because it gets questioned so much and it's been rejected for not being stamped, which is frustrating, but I get it. Um, you know, you don't want to accept a document that isn't properly notarized, but uh, that's the the main thing. And also to touch on a point that you made under um, 10 U.S. Code 1044, legal assistance attorneys are allowed to practice in any state, uh, even though we are only licensed in one state. Um, it's not something that we do a whole lot because that is trouble. <laughs> um, but that that is why we that's how we're allowed to do that draft wills for people who are residents of other states, that sort of thing. Captain Reynolds, as we're wrapping up, I'd like to ask a kind of a wrap up question. What's the most what's the thing you enjoy the most about serving in the North Carolina National Guard as a judge advocate and helping soldiers in the legal assistance program? Uh, I really enjoy the wide variety of law that I get to practice by being in the North Carolina National Guard. So Monday through Friday in the legal assistance program, uh, you heard the scope that we do. And I don't think a whole lot of people have that kind of scope that they're that they're able to practice on a daily basis. And then on the weekends when I drill, <laughs> I, uh, I was trial counsel for a long time. And so that was doing Article 15 nonjudicial punishments. That's doing administrative separations for soldiers who committed misconduct such as uh, testing positive for drugs in the military or um, some kind of civilian misconduct with a military nexus, that sort of thing. And now I'm currently the national security law attorney, which used to be operational law. And so that's talking about law of war and, and doing trainings with the soldiers and that sort of thing. So I don't know any other job in the legal field that has such a wide variety of um, topics that you can go over and you get to practice uh, so often. Completely agree with that. Lieutenant Kinane, what's the most rewarding experience that you've had or what what's the best part about what you get to do for soldiers in the Norcon National Guard? Well, I'm going to repeat something that I think I've said to you before and I say it quite frequently. You hear a lot of people talk about the law as a miserable profession and Army lawyers are the happiest lawyers anywhere that I've met. And, and some of it's along the lines of what Captain Reynolds has talked about. Another aspect is the leadership. Uh, there's fulfillment that comes from serving your state and your country here in the National Guard. And then specifically to the legal assistance program, you're helping individual clients. And uh, there's a lot of fulfillment that comes from that. You know, a lot of people, they go to law school thinking about how they would like to make a difference in individuals, people's lives, and wind up going to work, say, in big law or the corporate sector and become uh, disillusioned. And I don't find any of that here. Uh, it's it's a job where I like the practice of law. I like going to work every day, and I like getting results for the clients. That's great. I know over my years in the Norcon National Guard, uh, what I what I've often seen on drill weekend or or working full time in the legal assistance program is that you know whatever whatever's going on in America or whatever whatever's going on in North Carolina that might be a difficult time. I can I I see the best of America and the best of North Carolina every drill weekend in uniform, serving this state, serving this country. And that's a very motivating force when they're coming to you, asking you for help in their legal matters, their personal legal matters, and we can help them stay ready, stay in the fight and help their family uh, be prepared, then then you're doing the right thing. And that's, that's probably one of the most rewarding parts of the legal assistance program and serving with the great Americans in the NorCon National Guard. Captain Reynolds, 
Lieutenant Kinane, thanks for joining the All Things Judicial podcast. It's an honor to host it and sit with you and discuss such an important and worthwhile effort that the NORCON National Guard invests in for the benefit of our soldiers. Thank you so much for having having me. I really appreciate the opportunity to speak to anybody. I'd like to say if there's anybody out there listening that's ever doing something and it involves a North Carolina National Guard soldier or airman, please don't hesitate to contact me or Lieutenant Kinane. Uh, the Legal Assistance Program phone number is 984-664-6220. And we're happy to talk to you about any questions you have. If you need to locate a soldier, or you're looking for just general information, we're happy to talk to you anytime. Thank you. And I think that Captain Reynolds said it all. I think it's, for me, it's, it's been an honor to be here. It's, it's really been a pleasure. Thank you for having us. You've been listening to All Things Judicial, a podcast from the North Carolina Judicial Branch. You can find out more about the Judicial Branch by visiting nccourts.gov. Thanks for listening.